0: Hello, this is Michael Canfield, and thank you for joining us today on The Dog Watch. A dog watch is an evening shift of early or late duty, or the people who undertake it. This dog watch considers the natural world and the things that help us experience it, from dogs to watches and everything in between. Ultimately, it's a place for us to go wherever curiosity takes us. So what happens when a couple of Swiss guys take over a mostly dormant watch brand and reinvigorate? reinvest, and then engineer it back to one of the leading independent brands. One outcome is that when you see these watches, you immediately know that they are high quality and intriguing, but you have to learn more and look hard to understand why. As you spend more time with them, like I did with three of them on my wrist for several weeks, the more you realize is there. As a naturalist, I couldn't help see the parallels to ants, If you have not studied ants yourself, these small social insects are amazing to observe and comprehend, whether they are carrying three sisters in their mandibles across the pavement with relative ease, or driving through the forest in a column that will eat a large mammal. A literal lifetime of fascination exists in each little organism. There is similar depth in the story of these watches and their design. In our conversation with Raphael the Formex CEO, and Marcus, the Formex Director of Marketing, we discuss the history of Formex and how the brand has evolved over the past half-decade. The Formex team helps us understand the unique features of their watches and the engineering that has gone into them, such as the automotive-like shock system and the proprietary carbon fiber material. We discuss the specifics of the Essence 39, the Legera 41, and the Reef Diver. This discussion just begins to unearth the evolution, form, and function of these watches, a brand that should be in consideration as one of the best value propositions in watches. Raphael also describes the origin of the name Formex from two French words form and extreme. Even here there is convergence with the myrmecological world with the formica being the Latin word for ant and myrmex being ant in Greek. In the end, on this dog watch shift, we've discussed the story of the incredible evolution of a brand and the example of how its watches can provide endless fascination. As a brief announcement, if you're going to be anywhere near New York City this coming weekend, you should certainly stop by the Wind Up Watch Fair and say hi to the Formex team and check out these watches in person. The show is Friday, October 21, and Saturday, October 22, from 12 to 6 p.m. Sunday is 12 to 5. It is hosted by Worn and Wound, and if you don't know them, check out our interview with co-founder Zach Weiss on The Dog Watch, episode 40. The fair is the Alt- at the Altman Building on West 18th Street, and I guarantee you will be glad you went. And now, let's turn to our conversation with Raphael and Marcus at Formix Watches. All right, Raphael, Marcus, thank you so much for joining us today on The Dog Watch
1: Thanks for having us. It's a Thank you so much for having us, Mike.
0: Yeah, it's really exciting to um, have a chance to talk to you both uh, and Ruff to, to meet you for the first time. Um, and Marcus, you and I met um, in Chicago, um, and you were super gracious to show me the watches there. And then also I have sitting before me uh, three of your Formex watches um, that I've been wearing and looking at that we can talk about today and that I'm reviewing, um, which is, it's just fantastic to to get to know. But I wanted to start out by just talking a little bit about the background of the company. And I, I wanted to start in the place. I know that, you know, Raf, you took over the company. Um, it was somewhat dormant. And I wanted to just to set the stage of it. I know you've talked about before, right? It was sort of automotive-inspired, racing kind of inspired. That's where some of the engineering features come. How would you describe sort of the original FormX and the FormX as, as it is today in sort of comparison for people who are just coming to know it and maybe even seeing it for the first time online or hopefully maybe at in New York going to the Wind Up Watch Fair and seeing them um, in person there?
2: So... Uh, as the name already suggests, it actually is composed of the two French words, "form" and extreme, which means extreme shapes or extreme form. Um, the, the the case designs or, or the whole watch design was actually uh, rather uh, eccentric, a bit crazy. Um, you know, shapes you wouldn't see all day. A lot of, um, you, you wouldn't see every day. A lot of uh, bullhead designs, but that was combined with angled cases. So the, the cases were, a lot of them were angling up um, at the 12 o'clock position. So they weren't, you know, uh, the the case back and the case, case top weren't parallel, um, which was all kind of created to, to make it easier to read time while you're driving. Uh, there was even one that you could actually, when you were wearing the watch, you could press a, a pusher on the side of the case and you could turn it uh, a couple of degrees to either side, depending on which wrist you were wearing it on. Uh, to actually make it better readable while you had your hand on the on the uh, steering wheel, so um, pretty you know crazy engineering um, and all geared towards uh, motorheads uh, mostly.
0: And so it seems like you've continued with maybe not the exact iterations of those slightly crazy things, but, but you've incorporated and kept some of the features. Of course, um, one of the things that makes it super distinctive is this is the shock system, so to speak, right? The suspension system. Can you describe that briefly just so people understand what's behind that?
2: Yeah. So our case suspension system was actually also something the brand was, was founded around. Um, and, you know, it's the ones, the the watches or the models that have it. Uh, you will recognize it by uh, at the f- uh, from the four screws you see on the on the bezel or on the bezel side, and these actually house a, a spring each, and it really pretty much works like a car suspension, uh, albeit in the opposite direction. And um, you know, they, it was conceived of as a case suspension shock absorber um but nowadays what we've really noticed and what we've pretty much advertised it as is a uh, added comfort because when you have it on your wrist it will actually give from below so when your wrist is moving your hand is pushing against the crown uh, you will actually feel it give a little bit and it will make the watch uh, more comfortable so this is one of the features or the crazy features that were patented by the brand and that we carried on in some of the collections mostly the the Essence Collection, be it the the Legera carbon fiber wor- version, uh, making an already very comfortable watch even more comfortable. Um, and then we've, for other collections like, for instance, the Field uh, Field watch or or the Diver or now the latest one, the the Reef GMT, uh, we've decided to not go with the case suspension system because there is a lot of engineering that has to go into uh, creating a design around um this system and and you have a lot of things like size that that you need to you know look out for when you design around the system and um but we kept it on on some of the designs but you know the one of the developments that our watches went through when you compare them to the older design pre uh pre-r era in in the brand um you'll find a bit more refined designs you know I'm, i'm from uh i was pretty much born in the watch industry and and I learned product development designing and and developing for other brands um, that were a little bit in the higher spectrum of, of prices so you know I I take my design or, or I, I try to add design clues that that I learned from there pretty much and uh, we didn't you know uncrazify if you want to call it that the designs <laughs> just you know just to make it more uh, attractive or simple but it's, it's really, uh, we transformed the, the brand's design into our design philosophy or mine or the one I learned growing up um, while keeping some of the key elements and, and DNA of the brand. So I think this leads to unique uh, designs, which is something that nowadays with thousands and thousands of, of uh, watch designs and hundreds of iconic watch designs out there, it's, it's kind of hard to create something that nobody would. You know point a finger at and say oh that looks like this or that looks like that so what we've noticed uh is that our watches kind of um kind of um evoke different iconic models in people so one one person would say oh that's got some nautilus vibes or that one's got an ap vibe and and that is for the same model so I think it goes to show for me that we've actually hit the mark and not everybody is seeing the same thing in it or the same, you know, the same clues or, or,
0: yeah. Yeah, and I think it's helpful to talk about specifics. And I have in my hand um, one, the white dial, um, and it's absolutely beautiful um, with this sense of the bolts right in the suspension system which you can see and you can push from below and the crown and everything moves up a a millimeter or so but the watch itself doesn't look like an over-engineered um you know crazy watch right and i feel like that's one of the things that i really noticed on this particular model that when you put it on the wrist, it looks like a nice dress watch or sports, you know, not dress watch, the sports watch, right? It's pretty, it's relatively subtle as opposed to, you know, a big engineering over engineered dive watch or, or one of the um, ones that sort of sticks out. Um, So I think that's a a real win. Um, I'm curious how you've made decisions on how to make that happen in design on this particular model.
2: So, um, guessing you're speaking about the essence probably the 39 yeah i'm, I'm just, actually not no, aware which one oh no, i'm totally there. sorry
0: <laughs> nope yeah. I, I should have said that i i'm i'm actually smitten with it it's yes yeah, it's the essence 39 <laughs> white dial yep
2: okay yep steel one. yeah All and right. steel um, and steel band too yep exactly so this was pretty much the first one we launched uh to relaunch a brand which is also the one we i mean we, it was the 43 mil um but we relaunched the brand with that, um, doing it on Kickstarter to actually give us the funds to to really kickstart <laughs> uh, the brand again. And I wanted to create something that would speak to key, like you know to a wider audience, obviously, than the the chunky big designs that a lot of people like, but in my opinion, not enough. So it was a mix of you know commercial decisions, but then. Uh, in the design phase, we actually took a lot of time and effort to to really make it our own uh, design, and you know, trying to mix design features that would evoke you know feeling of of luxury, uh, finishing you know the the interplay between very tiny polished bevels, uh, the bigger polished surface on on the 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 big uh, bevel on the bezel. <laughs> Say that fast ten times. Um, <laughs> And then the the big brushing or vertical yes. brushing on, on the top of the bezel that kind of gives it a Genta-esque, uh, in my opinion, uh, look or feel to it. Um. So, you know, the goal is always to, you know, we started with that on the essence and then we kind of probably refined that technique a little bit. And when you look at the reef or dive watch, it still has, when you look at it from far, uh, it looks like, You know a larger not too large but it looks like a dive watch it's something that it could be a tool watch but when you really study the design of it or or look at it closer you'll find you'll find a lot of elegant features as well so this is always something that we're trying to do um and i like that you mentioned the the fact that it's not over engineered because i'm absolutely not a fan of over engineering things except for you know like a brand that sells hundreds of thousands of watches or has a niche audience and can, uh, you know, they can allow themselves to, to get crazy on, on a limited edition and do something that is, you know, 5,000 meter waterproof and not very comfortable to wear, because that's exactly the point we're trying to make. Nice looking watches or beautiful watches uh, that have a touch of elegance, but it's very important that they're, um, you know, nice to wear to us because we create them so you can wear it every day, and uh, so you want to wear it every day as well. So they're always as thin as we can make them, um, and and you know the the bracelets and, and the strap systems with the with the clasp um, is also something that really adds to the comfort. And yeah, the, I think the the design of it is a combination of all those uh, points.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I really noticed is the brushed i don't know what you call the frame around the crystal right that's the top of the bezel i guess and then the polished bevel that goes down and then has the bolts inset to me those things you if you just look at the watch and in pictures or photographs you might not appreciate how light plays off it when you move it right that mm-hmm. those surfaces really create a lot of depth to the watch and it's it's not industrial, right? It's not, like, over-engineered, but it has some visual features um, that, uh, to me, are super unique, right, when you look at it. But when you put it on your wrist and, you know, have it on my wrist now, it just looks like a really nice watch that has, uh, you know, reflections and, and beautiful coloration. So there's also the band, right, the steel band that has this sort of butterfly-type closure and then the screwed... Um, adjustments so tell us a little bit about that because you guys have done engineering not only in the watch itself right the case but also in bands and stuff so how did that come about what what are the features of that that people should know about
2: if i quickly may i want to touch on the point you said between you know about the the light playing off the different finishings um the the thing we also always try to do is that to make it look nice from every distance. Like you said, you know, from for, from afar, it looks like a, a dressy sports watch. And then the the finishing themes that we like to use, you'll find it on the on the most minute details. So if you actually take a loop and look at the indices uh, of the dial, they'll have the same finishing. So they have a very small, two small surfaces like next to the loom strip. Yeah. They're really tiny, but we still brush them because, you know, the top of the bezel is brushed. And then you find the bevel, uh, same as on the bezel, uh, on these indices and on the hands. Yeah. So you have the middle strip that is brushed and the polished bevels. So you can look at it from far and go in closer and closer. And you'll find these same themes of finishing on, on the uh, tiny details as well. So that's that's just a little, um, uh, little uh, thing on the side there. And it plays into the bracelet as well in that philosophy because we don't, you know, put months and months into the design and development of a case, and then, you know, in the last two weeks that that we have left, go, oh, oh, yeah, still, so we need a bracelet. <laughs> uh, right. So, right. well, the bracelet kind of goes into it from the beginning. Uh, so you'll find again the same finishing theme on the bracelet, and and also we've tried to, you know, keep the tolerances as tight as possible and everything. So you'll see that there's almost no lateral movement. Uh, it won't pinch your hair, even though the, you know, the spaces are very tight. Um, and the, the butterfly class, we wanted a completely integrated class. We didn't want to cover on the, on the bracelet or anything, but we still wanted the customers to be able to, to adjust, um, just the size of the bracelet when when their wrist swells or after a big meal or when when it gets too warm, you can just flip open the the clasp and and there's a little flipping system that gives you four millimeter of, of uh, micro extension. Uh, so that's also something that uh, we came up with on on this um, on this clasp, but it's still completely integrated unless you open it, of course. There's a a little gap. We couldn't avoid that.
0: Sure, sure. And to have the the screws in the side, also you need a lot of careful tolerance, right? It's that's a that's a different engineering challenge, right? Than if you just yes. have pins. Yes. Um, and
2: also, one of the things is we, we wanted to um, be able to to um, quick release it without, you know, having to use a tool. And since we had curved spring bars on the leather and the rubber. Uh, we couldn't actually just do a double uh, quick release pin on the bracelet so that the little pins you see on the side are actually connected to the little pushers you have to push together so it's one intricate machine piece enable uh, in, uh, in order to for our customers to to be able to switch bracelets quickly from rubber to to leather and and it makes the watch very versatile um, and and kind of gives you the feeling of having multiple watches Um and just buying one.
0: Yeah. I also wanted to just mention the underside of the case, because there's obviously a display uh, case mm-hmm. back, but it's not just a display case back. Like you have, when you look underneath it, there is this nice, I don't know what you would call it, the the etched um, surround of the crystal mm-hmm. in the back. And then yeah. there are a bunch of screws, mm-hmm. which both on the, um, where the band connects and then just around the underside of the case, which give it a very, I mean, aesthetically it's well-designed and has aesthetic value. Just, you know, often you, you know, look at the underside of the watch. You're like, okay, even if it's a display case back, you just look at the, the movement, but this one has a different, was that intentional or are those screws simply, um, you know, did you just say, "Oh, well, we have to have screws here," and so that's where they are? Or were you looking that as a, as a design element too? Because it at least it speaks to me. I, I really like the the look of the underside.
2: <laughs> Thanks. No. So the the you know the easiest thing to use as a case back is is a screw case back that you actually can screw onto the case. Um, which in our case wasn't possible because we had to design around. You know, if you push from underneath, you'll actually see that whole case disappearing in the or, or sinking into the case middle. Yeah. So we couldn't have a round case back due for that reason. So this is what gives it that kind of Batmanish yeah. shape of the case back, which in my opinion looks cool as well. And uh, the eight screws are just you know to keep everything tight and waterproof, uh, well and uh, and a good distribution. Um, we could have done just the one screw at 12, six and nine o'clock from the back, but then we would have still needed two screws on the crown around the crown because obviously the crown tube has to go through them. Um, So we decided to use eight screws instead for symmetry because we always, we're big fans of of, uh, using as much symmetry as possible uh, where we can. So it, it does have that very technical and engineered look, but then you move in a little closer, you have the nice engraving that sticks out. And then you have the uh, rotor that we produce ourselves that is skeletized, has a very defined brushing on. And the heavy sector of the rotor is actually held onto it by four screws that are uh, thermally blued, just as the the screws used on the movement. Um, there we, we use the blue screws because I think it gives it a very horological look um, and it looks... Uh, Quite refined because the whole movement is is a chronometer certified, uh, very very top notch uh, movement. So I think we, we gave it the decoration it deserves. Kind
0: of. Yeah, those blue screws when they move, when the rotor moves, they play over the screws that are below in the movement. And again, exactly. those are the kinds of things that uh, you know. Again, this isn't an advertisement. I obviously really like this <laughs> watch, um, but it's those details, right? Those engineering details, etc. For people who appreciate. Um, you know, engineering and just aesthetics, that's something you get with this, this particular watch, that's um, a value added. And I think what you're saying on the dial as well, the way the markers are, po- are polished and shaped, um, as you look closer, and this is a point that I want to make that where this watch is positioned right, as far as in the market, so to, so to speak, right? There are a lot of watches, you know, you've got a lot of Seikos or whatever that, you know, they look nice, like especially when you look at them online where oh, that looks like a nice looking watch or whatever. Um, and then you look at a Rolex or, a, you know, whatever, a, an Omega and you say, oh, well, that looks nice too. When you have those in your hands, they feel and look really different. And I think sometimes it's really hard for people. And even before I looked at them, it's hard to know. Right? Is this actually like a really nice watch, or is it gonna just feel kind of chintzy or not having, you know, is it gonna feel kind of um, cheap? Um, this watch has a lot of depth. And when you, you know, look at it, the things you're describing, you can look at it for a long time. I'll also say, Pushing your fingers below it and, and moving the case around is something that I've done a lot. Um, it's kind of fun. You know what I mean? I, I find myself, you know, I take it off and I kind of move it around. It's just, it's yeah. amusing, but, right? It's it's an interesting aspect. So anyway, I think also the size and proportions you mentioned, the, the thickness of actually all three watches that we'll talk about. Um what I heard you say is that was a priority, right? Um, that a lot of times, you know, you look at, for example, a Tudor Black Bay or whatever, like those are, those are big watches. They can't get under your shirt sleeves, right? Or they're harder to, this is a, this is a nice size. Um, it really fits well under your shirt sleeve and, and um, sits almost like a, not like a dress watch would, but you could wear it in, you know, with formal clothing, like I have a, you know, a, a yeah. Oxford button down right now and it fits just fine. So anyway, I think for people who are thinking about it, that's the way to go. And, and I think the last thing I would ask is, you know, the movements you use, the salidas, and then the price point that you are sort of aiming for. Can you describe a little bit? I've heard you talk about that before, but I think for people who are coming to the brand, that's an important element. I mean, you have the sort of engineering aspects, which are like deep and meaningful and provide a lot of value, right? You've got a a movement in there that's high quality. I'd like you to say a little bit about that. And then how does that translate to a price relative to other watch brands?
2: I mean, one of the big, I mean, it's not a secret, but one of the big tricks uh, in order to, um, you know, achieve great pricing is obviously the direct to consumer route that we decided to go when we launched, uh, relaunched the brand. And um, that allowed us to, to really um, dive into the details more um, and, and not having to pay atten- that much attention to cost. So it, it actually gives you nicer and more expensive features. You know, for instance, we, we produce, uh, you know, we, we're lucky enough to have a, a dial manufacturing that we use for, uh, for other brands um, that we produce for other brands um, we produce the dials for other brands for in that, in man- yeah. that manufacture. And, um, we use that and it's just a couple of, uh, you know, it's like 40 minutes from here by car, uh, ran by my uncle. And so it gives us the freedom to have extremely nice dials at that price point that are completely made in Switzerland, which is also something that is pretty rare to see in at that price point. And, um, yeah, so the the big secret is direct to consumer. Even though we have more and more retailer requests, and even there you have to get creative because you can't you can't give them a 50% margin like they're used to from other brands. But I guess a lot of younger brands and independent brands are are going that route, and it's it's starting to you know become more or, or less difficult to actually find retail partners that that are up for it and and don't require a, a minimum 50%. Right. Um, uh, rates uh, or, or um, margin. So this allows us to use nicer movements, nicer components, and, and, you know, be very much sticklers for details. So I, I want our customers to look at the watch from every angle they can and, and discover little things that they're like, and they're going to, you know, think about us putting the time and, and effort into making it look nice from every side and at every zoom that you can, that your uh, camera can handle
0: right and this watch is you know sort of in the us i don't know i didn't look at the exact price but 1700 or or somewhere around that right Um, it's it's lower i think is it okay yeah okay maybe i should know um be more accurate about what it is Um, it
2: should be let me pull up the side i mean obviously since our taxes and duties are all included um Rates vary a little bit or prices uh, vary a little bit from country to country. But Ma- I- Mike, as you see
1: it uh, on your wrist, uh, I'm, I'm sure you have it on your wrist yep, yep, or I close do. by to your yep. wrist, it's about 14 $1490,
0: 1490. dollars uh, taxes included.
1: Yeah, exactly, on that bracelet.
0: Oh, wow. So so that's a really competitive price. I mean, I just have to say, like, um, again, this isn't a sales pitch, but I think one of the things that I was hoping to do in talking to you both is have an honest conversation about value, right? And one of the things we've talked about a lot on the podcast is this question of quality, right? Like, what is quality? How do we find it in objects? And one of the things is, like, how it's made that people took care in doing that and that there's marks of uniqueness, et cetera. And, I mean, here you get this Alita movement, which is a high-quality movement, the finishing, et cetera. And since you're direct-to-consumer and have a lot of that engineering in-house – you don't have to add on the massive marketing budgets and and all those kinds of things, um, dealerships, etc. And that is why it's at a f- sort of f- fourteen fifty or whatever you said price point, as opposed to it would be if you had it in Macy's or whatever, it would be five thousand dollars or something, and they wouldn't even carry it. No,
2: but realistically, right? uh, it would be around just below three three thousand.
0: Oh, okay, three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well. Anyway. So it's a it's a it's a good value watch, right? And I have to say, I'm I'm super taken with it. Um, moving on to, I wanted to talk about the Legera, right? And I wanted to say a little bit about sort of your background, where you are in Switzerland. You said on one of the interviews I heard you talking about is you're sort of from an R and D background, right? That you're that's kind of your um, I don't know. Yeah,
2: R and D and manufacturing. Yeah. Yeah,
0: So tell me, tell me a little bit about Dexlite and and what that is, what it means to be. How did I? It's forged carbon fiber. (laughs) Like what is that? It's a
2: carbon fiber composite, uh, really. That's um, so. It's called Dexlite. We don't really um, use that term uh, at Formex, but um, my dad actually came up uh, with it, and we developed it um, with with uh, an expert and um it's a material that is very strong almost as strong as steel but very much lighter so uh, about four times lighter and um so we wanted he actually posed me the challenge to create a watch with it because we used it for clasps and and developments that uh that we used for other brands as well uh or prototypes we made and so my dad founded about 35 36 years ago he founded his Company Dexel that manufac well develops designs and manufactures uh components for for many watch brands you know be it uh, clasps was his first specialty and bracelets I mean, he was very involved with the with the first wave of of uh, hard metal and and ceramic stuff um and uh, so I I kind of grew up in his company already you know working uh during my vacation as a as a as a schoolboy, um, he would let me, you know, do little jobs and, and run around and, and kind of at an early age, discover all the stages uh, of, of working at his company. And then after studying, um, I actually went there uh, full time. And then the opportunity arose with, with Formex because it was actually a family friend um, and, and somebody we worked with on on, on the Dexel side of business. Uh, who was the founder of Pharmax and uh, he you know he got a bit older and and the brand didn't uh, Yeah, didn't you know perform that well anymore. Uh, it had its heyday in, in 2005 more or less So he kind of wanted was looking for somebody uh, to Reinvigorate the brand or relaunch it and so I took on the challenge and hesitantly i have to say because i kind of imagined that you know it would be a a lot of work and took me away from a a more comfortable job probably in (laughs) in an already well-established company that was doing doing well uh but i still went and did it and and got marcus aboard pretty soon who who at that time already was my best friend from because we started together uh so yeah we kind of Jumped in together, uh, not knowing how much actual work it was going to be. Yeah, and here we are. And and you know, uh, speaking about the whole direct to consumer, we decided on doing that because I, I, you know, I went to knock on the doors uh, of retailers and, and distributors, and you know, even at classic distribution margins, they weren't really interested at time at that time uh, to take on an unknown brand. Yeah. So we transformed the business model, uh, changed it to direct to consumer. And we did put a lot of effort in, in that first watch, the, the Essence um, collection. And, you know, we didn't do the commercially smart thing, as one would say, you know, maybe creating a minimally, minimally viable product and getting out get it out to as many people as possible, investing in marketing. Uh, we kind of did the other thing. And that level of detail you see on the Essence was there on the first iteration already. Uh, the only difference really is that we changed the logo uh, in the meantime. Uh-huh. But other than that, that was the essence when we first launched it. So we had a very, uh, we put a lot of effort into that first product, and nobody knew about us. Nobody, you know, the the Kickstarter did pretty well, uh, but we still didn't have a lot of, uh, you know, uh, brand equity in in the watch collectors field. Uh, and this is something that is uh, now we're slowly catching up to now, right? But definitely, you know, we you could see the love for the product already at an early stage, even though it was probably not the smartest thing to do in a, in a you know, entrepreneurial uh,
1: perspective. Yeah. What what Raphael is saying is well, it was much easier than he thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, easy, easy. So are you glad? I mean, when you look back, I mean, I know that's in um, some ways an impossible question, but do you, are you glad you did it?
2: Yes, I am. I yeah. am. I'm very happy with the. I mean, it's very fulfilling work. Sometimes, obviously, it's it's a massive, uh, uh it's a massive stress sometimes, yeah. and you know, you've got employees, you got to pay every every month, and that's you know, you got suppliers that you work with that you want to pay on time. So yeah, it comes with with the stress of being an entrepreneur, but in the end, it's it's very fulfilling, actually creating a product that so many people uh, enjoy and even. You know, thank you for you know, in yeah. emails.
1: Yeah, and that and and I wanted to add that you know we were just talking about the price when we talked about the direct to consumer uh, way of business that we're doing, but it's also the the direct feedback you're getting from your your customer, which you then Rafael can use again in in product development uh, uh, so directly. Yeah, and and you can see that in in uh, you know the smaller size of the essence, for example, which was like this is a feedback that's been given to us so many times and we, we we created that list with with customer wishes and this is more or less the first thing you're you're looking at when you're thinking about pro- uh, developing a new watch
0: yeah and something i think that people now value a lot is this sense of a connection with A product or a watch, et cetera, and feel like there are people behind it, right? When I, it's funny, Marcus, I didn't tell you this, but when I got on the website one time, you know, it pops up, like, do you have any questions or whatever? And it's like, Marcus, (laughs) like, I'm like... Hey, I actually know Marcus. Like, that's actually not a robot. It's Marcus that I could chat with, right? Which is super cool. Um, and the fact that you guys have done so many, um, you know, wind up kinds of things, but also are willing to talk to people, it means a, a lot. And I guess you're saying it also creates uh, sort of feedback to the product too. So that's fantastic. I, I just had one more sort of comment or question on the. Leggera forty one, which I have, and I have it in the the gray dial. Um,
2: yeah, actually, we we, Ooh, di- hey. we digressed a bit from yeah. from your Leggera question. We can get yeah. back. No, to, it's fine. To that one no, well. these are these are all things <laughs>
0: that I wanted to talk about. But it's cool because Leggera um, uh, is, I guess, in Italian means light, right? And yes. like light as in not heavy. And boy, this is a little... At first, you're like, wait a minute. Like, is this the whole thing? Like when it's on your wrist. <laughs> it's it, it missing is, something. <laughs> it is, yeah, it is remarkably light. Like, um, and when you look at that material, the carbon fiber... So just to describe, I think, like we were saying with the Essence uh, 39, this is just slightly bigger, although I I, I wouldn't tell, you know, if you told me it was the same size, I probably would agree, right? You don't really notice a difference, but it still has a similar bezel, but it's in black. I know it's a different material, but it has that sort of the polished angle, right? The bevel is polished and then the brush top around the crystal Mm -hmm. and then the matte um dexalite right which again mm. when you turn turn it over it's super cool because it also has those screws and the engraving except it's in the the dexalite so question i mean obviously it's super light and you know again i think that takes some getting used to but the dexalite itself and i can't remember what the bev uh, the bezel uh, material is but it's ceramic ceramic right so the dex how does that patina right because i think a lot of times these coated things i've personally i've i haven't been interested in them because i i don't know like i know people are fine with them sort of scratching or whatever but that's not my thing how does the dex patina
2: it doesn't it doesn't really it it stays it stays exactly the same wow um and this is basically this is the origin story of the the essence of the Jera. so at the one hand you have my dad throwing me the curveball of you know saying that let's use it on the on a watch and on the other hand uh people asking us to make a black version of the essence uh and on the third hand if you have three um you have <laughs> you have uh, our unwillingness to use coatings uh because uh they're not durable and they will actually not age very well yeah. from experience you know Formex had um you know pvd coded or dlc coded components and whenever they come back for service they look beat up no matter how how much care you take Um, and so we our philosophy is always to create something um you know that 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 you're gonna be able to hand down even if it's not a watch that you paid 10 or 15k for that you'll be glad to hand down to your kids one day um, so, you know, PVD and, and DLC was out of the question for us. The, the only components that have PVD are actually the screws that are pretty well protected and that you can't really make in a black material, but, um, you know, the Dexalite and the ceramic, uh, crown and bezel are inherently black. So even if there should be a scratch at some point, it's, it's not going to be, uh, visible and the, um, the most exposed part of the watch, um, the the bezel and the crown they're they're actually ceramic so they're not going to get scratched and one reason for using ceramic on the on the bezel which obviously is much more expensive uh than than using anything else because it's also very hard to finish or to putting that brush just to put that brushing on the top is you got to use diamond paste um (laughs) on the polishing band uh because it's so hard yeah and but we still wanted to you know put in some finishing touches that will play with the lights that, um, you know, we always try to create. Also, you see that in our dials a lot. It very much depends on how the light hits them. They're going to look completely different. And we actually wanted people to be able to look at their watch for many months or even years and still discover things they hadn't seen before. Um, So, so that was one of the reasons.
0: And then the markers and the hands are black, but Mm -hmm. they're, polished in the way that when you move the watch they're shine they reflect and so you get a similar it's interesting you get a similar kind of thing on these and the essence right the i mean the um the 39 right Mm. that you see but it's in a different material and it's it's, you know you get that depth and etc on the dial which Mm. i wouldn't have predicted especially when i saw you know see it on online or whatever you sort of look at it and yeah. you, you can't tell that until you're looking at it with the light reflecting you're like oh my gosh yes. wow there's a lot yeah. going on here um mm-hmm. but it's that still comes black. from
2: from again from that design philosophy that no matter how much you zoom out or in you want to find the same flaw it's kind of a fractal design philosophy yeah. that we have you totally. know you can zoom in as much as you want you go, you're you going to find the same features at every level right and um yeah
0: Yeah. And I I think I'd encourage people to, whether they decide to buy one or not, to find a way to spend some time with these watches because they're, you know, there's a lot to explore and a lot to look at. And I know a lot of, you know, sometimes people say that, but often to be quite frank, you look at a watch like, okay, I kind of get it. You know, it kind of is what it is, but there's a lot to explore here. and Interesting. I have it on my wrist now. I just switched over. And again, it's the it's incredibly light and uh, sure. super comfortable. Tell me a little bit about the band here. Cause that's, that's a different kind of band. It's on the, the gray um, clip band that you've designed. Uh, do you, do you know what on I
2: mean? It's the gray nylon. Yep.
0: Yep. Nylon. Yep. With okay. the, so yeah, the we, w- we wanted
2: to use, so the the um, topic of lightness in the, in the Legera is something that, you know, you get a lot of people who say, yeah, I actually like to feel some heft on the watch. I like to feel the weight, the presence and I agree with that completely, but when I first put on the prototype of the Legera, I actually fell in love with it. and I think if you're a watch collector, one of the nicest things is to have actually those different we- uh, different weight uh, proportions on different models and, and you know we have a lot of customers that write write us an email saying, yeah, this is actually the only watch that I can wear for uh, to play golf so now now I can wear a, a watch to play golf that is not going to affect my swing or you know, that I barely feel. Um, and, and that band is completely made out of nylon. Um, now we switched a new version that is going to be available soon, actually has a liner inside. Uh, it's still a completely waterproof. It's a PU liner and, um, um, makes it even more comfortable. So yeah, for me, it was important that this one is rugged and completely waterproof, sweatproof, and you can wash it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's going to stay as fresh as the watch for a long, long
1: time.
0: Yeah, it's just a, it's just a, that's a fun watch and one that's, again, it's different. And it's hard to tell that from sort of the outside, right, w- before you've had it on, et cetera. And I would imagine that's one of the challenges being direct-to-consumer.
2: Right? <laughs> it is. The more people wear it, the more we get, you know, advertisement on their wrists because what we've noticed as well, you know, from doing all the wind-ups and, and all the con- direct-to-consumer fairs that we've been doing in the past years – um we've noticed that in terms of website sales the the legera might not perform as well as the steel watches because everybody knows a steel watch, but whenever you have the whole collection out uh, for people to discover, so many people you know gravitate towards the the legeras no matter what what the whatever you know their color preferences are uh, and it's actually astonishing so now we we actually have two traveling collections for you know local watch clubs and if anybody out there is hearing this you can contact me or marcus or through our website chat and we'll send them the collection for their next watch meetup yeah uh, to actually discover them in person
0: yeah i think that's essential um and it really encourage people who are listening to to find a way to see them um you know again and then make your decisions but it's it's hard to to tell and that's where right when i met marcus uh, you know in chicago was like oh wow you know, you kind of tell pretty quick. It's like there's something different about these. There's something that you really um, have from seeing it in person. Where some, you know, like a, there's some Seikos, right? But um, somebody's know. having
1: a drink in the background. I, I was just gonna say, I love that sound. Marcus, that? is that your pup? <laughs> no, that's that's me. That's me drinking my coffee. No, it's not. I can't believe that. <laughs> I've seen
0: pictures of your dog. I can I have to know. Unless you drink it, your co- coffee out of a bowl, is that what you do? <laughs> It is my dog. It is my dog. Remind me of the name of your I dog. I was
1: hoping you didn't hear that. But no, I great. love it. No, it's like, you know, we love dogs.
0: We're, we're very much about dogs very on the podcast. So. Yeah. So what's the name of your dog again,
1: Marcus? It's Heidi, of Heidi. course. Heidi, right, right, a, right. Got it's it. It's Heidi. Yes. And, you know, I'm based out in, in California as a Swiss. So I had to have at least something Swiss in my house. So yes. I, I made my dog sound like a
0: Swiss. <laughs> That's funny. All right. I, I have just a couple more questions. So one the field watch is titanium though, right? Yes. So why that? Why choose sort of Dexalate for one, uh, you know, having the Legera, but then the field watch having it on titanium?
2: Um, I guess from, from uh, you know, my history in, in, the, in the industry, I've always worked with different materials and I'm kind of a sucker for, for different materials and combinations. And I figured that's uh, titanium would really be a, a good material for a for an outdoorsy field watch um and i also liked the the look of it when you when you beat blast it or sandblast it completely uh we gives it which gives it that distinct look and we also have the hard coating that makes it a, even a bit uh, lighter um and harder so more resistant to l- the little everyday scratches um so yeah th- that that's why we wanted to use that it's it's just Having adding another material to our to our collection, yeah. Even though actually the the Legera has a titanium inside container, so the unit that really keeps it watertight and everything um, oh. is titanium, even though you don't see it.
0: Oh, I see. Hmm. Yeah, and that's a sort of uh, interesting take on a classic field watch. The markers on that I haven't seen that one, and they look like they're recessed into the dial. Is that is yes. that right? Yeah. Yes. So that's a different element. They're recessed,
2: well. and and um, the minute track that is usually a rail track on on field watches is um is curved upwards. So you've got the 3D look on the yeah. on huh. different. you got different levels to the dial, uh, even though it's a very simple and clean looking dial. Yeah. Um. So we wanted to use classic field watch elements, uh, but still, you know, iterated in our own way. Uh, which is, I mean, if I had to describe it. Uh, art design—it would be a, a very modern, com- contemporary watch design. Um, but then we we like to use you know design cues from from the the years field watches were very popular in.
0: Yeah, and that one's a, a a a bit less too. That's like a it looks like it's about eight hundred and twenty dollars uh, on the website yes, right now, exactly. which is a steal. Um, okay, I one sort of other question, and Marcus, maybe you can start with this. But I'm curious. Sort of panning back out, what you guys see is in the watch space about how are people different, for example, in Switzerland, and how do they think about watches, like, and where do watches fit in their lives, you know, versus in California or whatever. What, how do you see that? Like, um, now that you've been in the watch industry for a while, you've sold a lot of watches. Like, how how do watches fit? differently in those different places um what have you seen
1: that's a good question that's a good question i mean what i see is there is there's people crazy about watches everywhere everywhere (laughs) you go yep and in one way or the other they find they find a formix and and we we have the great luck of of a lot of customers who you know, post on, on forums, uh, review the watch on their own little YouTube channel, uh, post it online, post it in our group. And that's how the word gets around. And yeah, you mentioned it before. Uh, we don't really work with a big marketing budget and, and, and the customer really does the marketing for for us. And that's how I think we. Uh, we were so lucky in, in 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 growing our collection to be able to, you know, invest what what we get from the previous collection and invest it in the next one. The, the and you difference... know that, that
2: the customer is, uh, sorry, Marcus. just a little thing to throw in here is uh, you make it sound like we put our customer to work, which is actually true. But if you think about it, if you buy uh, I'm not going to name any names, but if you have a famous movie star uh, doing a campaign, it's not the brand paying him, it's, it's you paying him yeah. <laughs> with the money you pay for the watch. So right. the customer is always involved in, in the marketing. Uh, for us, it's the difference. We, we don't have a big budget or we don't attribute or we attribute most of the money we make into actually investing in our production. We make a lot of the things uh, ourselves. All the watches are actually assembled here in-house. Um, which is also not something you find for a small brand, brand like us very often. Uh, so, you know, we invest in production, in the product development. And, yeah, that doesn't leave a lot of money to actually scream, scream, uh, on a, you know, over the roofs. So we're actually depending on, on enthusiasts, um, you know, carrying the word out.
0: Yeah. It's, it's funny you mentioned that because I think that is something that's underappreciated that like, you know, brand ambassadors drive up the cost of the watch, which, you know, it's fair enough, but it's important to recognize that where you guys have, I mean, your brand ambassadors are people who really like the watches, right. And can talk about them, et cetera. um, And feel like there's a way to describe what you're doing to other people. Um, And there's a lot of uh, authenticity there, not to use an overused word, but it's true, right? It's like truly authentic in the sense that if people like them, you know, I'd put myself in that camp, right? Like I met Marcus, loved the watches, were willing to talk about it. And it's like, that's why I'm like, hey, I really want to talk about these things and, you know, explore them because they have a a lot of value and quality. Um, So anyway, I appreciate that about you. And also I'm glad to have people not necessarily paying people through a watch to (laughs) drive up the you know david beckham or whatever like i think he's got enough money or tom brady um certainly although the divorce might hurt him i don't know um anyway so but i guess one last thing about that like so rob you're in switzerland right in the french speaking part of switzerland so do people like i know that they're watch enthusiasts there whatever but do watches occupy a, a different place you know i kind of imagine like that's the Swiss, you know, the Swiss, that's what, where watches came from. <laughs> not exactly, but like, how, how do people, how, what place do they fit in? Or is it different than it might in the United States? Or or is that just a fallacy? Is it, is it pretty similar?
2: Uh, it's hard to say for us because we actually, um, Switzerland is not our biggest market. Um, it is quite a complex market because, uh, so we're in the, in the German and French part, so Biel, uh, which is actually one of the hubs for for watch production, uh, is actually officially both. Um, but then we have four languages, um, three that are really used, so Italian, German, and French, and um, it's a complex market just from the uh, a linguistic perspective that you you know you need to have a um, customer support and all these languages and uh, and everything. But you know we an easier market for us in the beginning was Germany because they already kind of knew the brand a little bit before our time from before our time. And, um, so we, we kind of went there because all, we also had to go, uh, where there was something already for us and, you know, due to the lack of budget also, you know, focus on the so-called lower hanging fruits. So yeah. we didn't really, uh, put a lot of effort in, into the Swiss, Swiss market yet. Um, which is still kind of a classic market people you know go to the to their uh trusted watch dealer or, or watchmaker and um i guess swiss people are very um humble about what they have they don't like to flaunt they don't like to show too much of their wealth as well yeah uh, so it's something that they're more introverted uh about as a collector yeah so um But there's still, you know, there's a lot of uh, activities and groups and forums um, going on in Switzerland. But we're still not that active here yet. So, it kind of would be uh, a lie to say that we know a lot about the Swiss market.
0: Yeah. I I guess what I'm sort of also getting at is like, would a Swiss family be more likely to give their child a watch on a graduation or whatever is it or hand those things down. Is that part of the culture that's more like ingrained or is that just kind of something I would imagine?
1: No, I guess that's right. I, I would say it is, right? I mean, I I had my first watch when when I was about to start walking. Uh, oh, you wow. Know, one of those flick-flack watches from, <laughs> yeah. from, from Likewise. Slot. Likewise. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, got, I got my first nice mechanical watch uh for my uh communion yeah uh, same and uh, yeah and awkward so, okay so i'm not i'm not sure if this is representative but it, it applies to both Ruffle and myself yeah yeah
0: <laughs> i see and it seems like it's coming around a little bit in the united states i i think that you know the, obviously watches are on the rise again and it's such a great gift and style aspect etc so anyway i think um it's We're nice. seeing a I lot think...
2: of a lot more young people actually getting yeah. into the hobby. Yeah, and, I was just really about to say that. Yeah. Approaching it in a way that, you know, millenn- millennials approach hobbies. So they're they're very savvy about yeah. everything that's going on, reading, you know, Warren Mounds and, and, and those right. publications. So um I guess that's also a fun or a, um, a result of people starting to be Used to wearing something on their wrist again after the the rise of uh, of uh, Apple and uh, and uh, smartwatches.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think you know that maybe some of that is uh, I never got into it myself, but some of it's fading a little bit. Um, you know, it's like uh, I don't know, I don't know if you really want to be attached that much to your technological device. So um, anyway, I wanted to just say a brief thing about the the reef um, before we uh, wrap up. Um, one of the things that you mentioned, Raphael, was that you know seeing things from a distance i was taking some photos of my son you know we were you know, having him you know shoot some shots of my you know wrist or whatever it was sunny and boy the the dial it's the blue dial pops like it's hard to you know from a distance especially in the sun it's hard to get like a a nice dial shot but also it's because of the way the dial pops out right and reflects light etc so this i would say you know It's a dive watch, but it doesn't wear as much like a dive watch. It's thinner and it looks, you know, it's, it doesn't pop out like a, you know, a big giant bezel dive watch. And it it seems like, and this is a question, was that part of your design uh, intention or is that just the decisions you made happened to make it come out that way?
2: My heart just warmed a couple of degrees when you said that. Thank you very much. (laughs) That was the exact intention. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Now, because as I mentioned, we tried to keep as slim as possible, not only because it makes them more comfortable, but I think they just look cooler. And um, this obviously adds uh, some strain on the production team because everything is very tight. Uh, the tolerances have to be very good in uh, very well-respected, they're tighter than, than usual, you don't have the securities in height uh, and the, the the hands are very close together as well, they pass really closely above the indices and the logo. Um, so yeah, everything is actually a bit harder to make that way, but I think it, it's worth it and it pays off.
0: Yeah, the way it sits on the wrist too, um, I was really surprised to be honest, you know, like I didn't, I didn't know. That's another challenge. Kind of, yeah. That's
2: another challenge we have because people go by, by numbers and if they read on our website that the reef is a 42, uh, they're going, oh, uh, that's that's a bit, um, my limit is 41 or my limit is 40. Is Even somebody has, who has a limit of 40 uh, will be surprised at how... Um, how small or how <laughs> ergonomically the the reef sits on your wrist.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, again, I, if you told me it was a 40, I'd believe you for sure. You know what I mean? If you said, Oh, that's 40. I'd be like, yeah, that's a 40. Um, just because of the way the, I mean the dial size or the bezel size and then the case kind of, it's, it's not exactly angled down, but the, the case below sits pretty mm. low and. Well,
2: it's got a, it's got a flat case back. So you don't have the bump.
0: Right. Yep. Yep, and, and
2: also the logs are kind of um, tapering down, and the lock to lock, we we try to keep that as short as possible as well. So small wristed of people can pull off a uh, larger formex than they think, but that's a challenge also because you know you don't re- really get to try them on.
0: Yeah, and then the the wedged uh, markers though, you, there's still plenty of space, like you said. Like I can't believe you can fit those in there, right? There's a lot of depth on the markers the way they angle down. Um,
2: yes, this is one one point that sometimes gets criticized. People say the minute hand is a bit too short, but then I explain, yeah, I opted. We don't have a chapter ring on that watch, yeah. but I wanted to create some kind of, a not the illusion, but some kind of a, a, um, something that that is reminiscent of a chapter ring with those indices, and they're almost one millimeter high in the back and diving down. And so that the minute hand can't go all the way to the outside because it would actually touch and it would make the watch 0.2 millimeters higher or 0.3 if we wanted it to go all the way out. And we've opted to for, you know, for slimness again on that. And it's it's always, you know, a a balancing act between functionality, aesthetics, uh, practicality. And at some point, you got to decide uh, those little things. And uh, we also try to make the, the minute uh, the the minute markers that are printed longer but it didn't look so nice so yeah it's it's always I, actually what i like you know you you go through different iterations designs mock-ups renders and everything and at some point you're going to make your pick your choice and uh, yeah that's really interesting about the whole process
0: yeah and i think isn't there i mean on dive watches there is there are a lot of examples where the the hands are shorter right um
2: especially the hour hand though yeah
0: yeah i guess maybe it's more the hour hand but still like it's I don't know. I guess it's pick your poison. Well, they're shorter
2: for you not to confuse them. Uh, yeah. The two hands, actually. Yeah.
0: I wouldn't have noticed. I mean, I guess you could, you can make arguments any way you want on some of these things. But anyway, so, well, you've been super kind with your time. I really appreciate it. And I just wonder, like, I, I know when you were talking to the Warren and Wound guys, you, um, I guess it was in April or something, you mentioned, like, some things coming out, things that are new that might be showing up. Like, what's on the horizon? Is there anything you can share about what's happening other than you're going to be at wind-up in new york right in a in a week or two um so what's what's next is there anything you can share or or get us excited about
2: Yes, there's a new release coming out. Um, limited production numbers. It's not a limited edition, but we're gonna have a yearly limited production of it. Okay. Uh, very very nice uh, dial of the of the Essence collection. Oh really? Um. Yes, Uh-oh. and uh, that that should drop, or no, that will drop right, Marcus. <laughs> will drop right a couple of days before uh, WindUp and will be available to check out at wind up as will be, uh, as will we, uh, so we're always happy if as many people as possible, come there to chat with us and, and, you know, actually take the, the, uh, opportunity to try everything on. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's always nice to, to hang out with, with customers or potential customers, or, or just watch enthusiasts that share the passion. Right. Uh, will you be there?
0: i won't be there no i can't get get over there i went to the chicago one but i think i'm i'm hoping to be able to do more of them in the in the future but i can't get to new york this time give my schedule so i'm kind of bummed um (laughs) you know but i think for people who are able to get to new york and that's can you give the dates again do you know what it's
1: it's october 21st that's a friday uh all the way to sunday october 23rd yeah and and if there is someone here tuning in from Germany, uh the weekend after we we're going to be at Watch Time in, in Düsseldorf. Oh wow. And then a weekend later we're going to be at uh, uh at the show in, in Austria.
0: Oh my god. Yeah. Uh,
1: so it's it's gonna be a, a travel month for us and and hopefully um there's a couple of people tuning in uh today who you know find out about the shows and, yep. and and get to see us.
0: Yes, absolutely. And you know, Marcus, I would say one of the things that's been fun about this for me is, you know, I love the watches, right? You you were going to send me one. You've sent me three to to look at, um, to borrow. It's incredible. And I just have to say this uh, in public: there were passion fruit in the box from Marcus's garden. Like, who who is this guy? Like, who 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 are you? You know what I mean? Like, that is fantastic. It, it just like thank you, um, because I think that's one of the things that I've noticed that there's value added here. Right about the relationships with, about with getting passion there at the fruits. Beginning. Well, yes, <laughs> a lot of, yes. passion, a lot of, passion, a lot of passion, a lot of passion, a lot of passion. It's, but weird. it was not about the passion fruit, right? Like it was cool to have them and try them and whatever. But it's just like being um, part of something and getting. What, what to know did you people. end up doing with the
1: passion fruit? I ate them. I, I just scooped them? them out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I actually, I actually found out after that. You know, I was, I was. Uh, selecting those passion fruits and I, I obviously wanted to send you the nicest ones the nicest yeah. looking ones but yeah. i found out later that i should have sent you the ugliest looking ones the ones that are already yes, wrinkly sweeter because oh. yeah. those are the sweeter ones oh well uh well i'm sorry <laughs> i
0: no, i like the way they tasted they're they're not they're not super sweet but boy they're good and the smell the fir- when i first opened them up i cut one open and just the smell took me to the tropics. You know what oh I mean? My. I was just like, "Oh my God, where am I?" I'm looking at these watches. So it's like you—you you had the whole experiential thing going. Like I had the tactile, the olfactory. Like it was all there, Marcus. So, but again, I—you know—I'm sort of joking, but it was really nice, you know. And I think that's one of the things that I think people get um, from an experience like going to wind up or we're ordering one of these and chatting with you online. It's like you're actually talking to people who are making stuff and being intentional about you will we're, we're, still,
2: we're still a small team so yeah you get a you know you're you're gonna actually talk to the people who make them and and we really take customer service uh, personal customer service very seriously right um and and we'd like to you know people are you know paying their hard-earned dollars for for something they might have never seen in person just yep. because they like the design so yeah we'd like to give them the attention they deserve as well right but and, you also um, yeah
0: You're supporting the brand too, right? You're supporting this initiative, right? And yes, it's a business, but it's also creating new things, et cetera. So the money that you're spending on the watch actually supports... Yeah, this this initiative, which is also a business, but it's not just, a, you know, it's not just a business, right? You could do other things. Um, And it's fun. Mm. It's fun to think about it that way. So th- f- thank you for your time today. Um, Thank and you very much. Thank the very, you for the, very nice the passion fruits and, and sharing the watches. Right. Like you. I can't believe, you know, I had these three to look at, et cetera. It's just been it's been great. It's been fun to spend time with them. Um, they're super great objects. Um, And I know that people, if they decided to get one, I can't imagine that you would be anything other than totally psyched to have them.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Another thing uh, really quickly that I can plug about our uh, releases. So when you subscribe to our newsletter, you actually get a 24-hour head start on even the press of what is coming out. So not even the press actually releases it. All of our subscribers and the members of the Formex Watch Club on Facebook will get a 24-hour head start. So that's especially important for limited editions that might uh, sell out quickly. You're actually going to be able to order them a day ahead of the public. Um, so that's the newsletters on the bottom of our page, or you just type in formexwatch.com newsletter. Uh, and that's a great way to also, you know, stay in touch with us.
0: Great. Well, Raphael, Marcus, thank you so much for joining us today on The Dog Watch. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Mike. Thanks again to Raphael and Marcus for sharing so much about Formex and their range of watches. And don't forget to head to the Altman building in New York City this weekend, October 21st to 23rd, to see these watches in person. I guarantee you'll love seeing them. Our music credit today is Whiskey on the Mississippi by Kevin McLeod, courtesy of Creative Commons. Until our next shift, this is Michael Canfield thanking you for joining us on the Dog Watch.